You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. And remember, guys, don't just follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube page up and running. New video just went up. On Tuesday night, three reasons why Alvin Kamara will have a bounce back season in 2020. You just go to YouTube, type in Straight Up Saints Podcast. It'll be right there for you guys. Going to have weekly videos on that. So you guys just subscribe. You'll get notified every time they go up. And I hope you guys enjoy. And also, if you enjoy the Straight Up Saints content and want to enjoy the, uh, you know, join the Patreon page, you guys can. Uh, we've already had Tyler McClatchy, Hudak Chris um, join the page. So if you guys want to jump in there, go ahead. I will leave the link to that in the description But let's get into the topic for this episode, and it's going to be about three Saints facing make-or-break seasons. And obviously, the reason um, I do this is obviously we know the Saints have a a deep roster, they have a bunch of superstars, they have a bunch of good role players, but it always comes down to the guys who take that next step to determine whether or not a team you know, makes that Super Bowl run. And I think there's a bunch of guys on the Saints team you can make an argument for that, you know, they've had good seasons, they've also had bad seasons. You know, someone would look to me and say, Hey, Chris, you know, a a guy like Andrews Pete, who Saints fans just, you know, can't stand at all, should be on this list. And I'm going to tell you guys, Andrews Pete is not on my list. And let me tell you why real quick before I jump into it. And I know you guys are sitting there going, that's it. I'm out. This guy doesn't have Andrews Pete on there. What the hell is he doing wrong? Andrews Pete got paid. So while we might think as a fan, hey, look, it's make or break for this guy. He cannot play this well, uh, play well this year. And guess what? He's still getting paid a lot of money. Still a lot of guaranteed in that contract. And unfortunately, in terms of salary um, motivation and and incentives, he really doesn't have to worry about that. He's just got to play, and he's going to get his money. So that's why I left him off the list. And, you know, another thing is there's three guys, in my opinion, that are facing way more important seasons than uh, Andrews Pete. And I'll get into that in just a second. With my number one guy on the list, I'm going to go down, actually, from one all the way to three. Um, in terms of most important to, not least important, but third important. I'm going to go most important here on this list is Traquan Smith, third-year wide receiver uh, from UCF. And let's be real. We've all had our problems with Traquan Smith. And I'm someone who actually, you know, w- would go, hey, you know, this might be the breakout game. I think he's going to turn the corner. And then you start to realize, man, Traquan Smith's that type of guy, that type of friend that you always say, no, he's a good guy, he's a good guy, he's fun. And then every time you bring him out, he's not fun. Uh, No one likes him, and it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden, you're left looking like the idiot because you vouched for him. That's been any Saints fan, including myself, who's been saying, hey, Traquan Smith's a good wide receiver. Traquan Smith is important. He's going to turn the corner. And he hasn't done much. You look at the numbers, not impressive for a wide receiver who the Saints drafted um, in the third round out of UCF, and let's go through it. First year, he had 40, uh, 44 targets, only 28 catches for 427 yards and five touchdowns, 15.3 yards perception, though. That's not bad. That's a stretch, you know, stretch the field type of guy. And the other thing about Traquan is he had a couple of big games here and there. He had a big game against Philly where he destroyed their secondary, and he had a big game on that Monday night football game um, against the Redskins when Drew Brees broke the record, um, I believe it was for passing yards. And... We've seen flashes where Traquan steps up. He had a couple of big catches against the Rams in the regular season. Then you go to week uh, to the second season, and this is where it all just goes to shit because week two uh, against the Rams, he hurts his ankle, misses time. He only plays in 11 games this past season. He only has 25 targets. 18 of them are catches. 
234 yards, five touchdowns. So he's getting touchdowns. That doesn't seem to be the problem. But here's the issue. Traquan Smith, a third-round guy who the Saints drafted to be the, you know, the, the man across from the actual man in Michael Thomas. And that hasn't happened. And we're all sitting here saying, well, do they cut him? Uh, does Deontay Harris leapfrog him on the depth chart? What the hell do we do now? And then all of a sudden the Saints bring in Emmanuel Sanders, and I think this is the time for Traquan Smith to put it all together because we're no longer saying, hey, Traquan, be the number two. You're saying, hey, Traquan, just be the freaking three. And I think he can do that, actually. And the one thing I like about Traquan Smith, he's athletic. He makes tough catches when they're contested. Now, on the flip side, there's an issue with him. There are a couple of drops that, you know, make you scratch your head, notably against the Carolina Panthers in the regular season this past year, and notably against Minnesota in the playoffs, where Drew Brees ends up throwing a pick a couple of plays later, and you realize, man, if Traquan catches that one over the middle of the field, smooth sailing. So there's issues with Traquan. This doesn't mean just because I think he might turn the corner that this man is going to suddenly become a really good receiver. But can he become a solid receiver? And I think the important thing to do is look at other receivers who have played for the Saints and how they performed in year three in John Payton's system. Because that Traquan's entering year three, let's go look at other people. Let's go look at Lance Moore. Obviously a totally different type of receiver. This is a slot guy for the most part. Someone's going to make his living inside the hashes. But let's go through it. Let's look at Lance Year one, doesn't really play, also gets hurt, only has one catch. Year two, 32 receptions for 302 yards, two touchdowns. Not a bad year for a second year, um, but still a lot to be desired. 2008 comes, third year for Lance Moore, and this man absolutely takes off for the Saints. Okay, he has 79 receptions for 928 yards and 10 touchdowns. That, for me, is a fantastic season. Now, I'm not expecting those type of numbers from Traquan. If he puts that up, God knows how deadly the Saints offense is going to be because that's another weapon that you have to account for. But I think it's worth noting that. And now let's go to someone who I think, in terms of playing style, might be a little bit more similar to Traquan Smith. Let's go to Devery Henderson. First year, doesn't really play. Second year, 2005, um, 22 receptions for 343 yards, three touchdowns. Year three is where he pops in, in a major way. He has 32 receptions, which, look, you're thinking the catches aren't great, 745 yards. And five touchdowns. So 23.3 yards per catch for Devery Henderson in year three. Over 700 yards. He gives you the touchdowns and five. Those are numbers for me that I say, hey, I look at that. That gives me some optimism for a Traquan Smith. But I'm not done yet. Let's go to Robert Meacham. Year three with the Saints. 44 receptions. 638 yards. Five touchdowns. There's a theme here. There is a theme with receivers who aren't the number one in Sean Payton's system taking that leap in year three. And I think that's something that we have to look at Traquan Smith and say, hey, we've been harsh on the guy. Some of it's deserving. Some of it's a little bit us just having too high of an expectation for him and he just can't meet that. The other part is he gets injured, he can't play. And this is a make or break season for a multitude of ways. Before I get over to the next guy and talk about that, Traquan Smith doesn't even need to play well just to keep his job. He needs to play well to make sure that he has a job in the NFL, period. This isn't just about staying on the Saints. If Traquan Smith can't compete now, how is he going to compete later? It'd be year three, and, and Bill Parcells says it best, you get three years to prove yourself. After that, I'm out as a head coach. Well, we're obviously not head coaches here, but as fans, if year three comes and goes and Traquan Smith doesn't give anything worth saying, all right, there's something there, or any little optimism or something worth holding on to, we're probably out. And we're going to sound like one of the sharks on Shark Tank. But seriously, 
Traquan Smith has a make-or-break season ahead. I'm sure you guys will agree with that. Whether or not you agree that he will actually turn the corner is one thing. But I'm sure we can all agree that this man needs to step up in year three. And if it doesn't happen, there's an issue there for sure. So let's get to my number two on this list. Someone who I think it's not even about how well he plays. It's about can this man stay healthy? Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins is pound for pound, in my opinion, the most underrated defender on the Saints. And I'll tell you why. We love to hype up Cam Jordan. We love to hype up Demario Davis. And we love to say how good Marshawn Lattimore is. And all three of those players are superstars at their respective position. So you have to give them the attention and recognition that they deserve. But Sheldon Rankins, man. Sheldon Rankins is that type of player that when he's healthy, when he's on, he transforms the defense. And the reason I say that is because Sheldon Rankins gives the Saints something they don't get from any other defensive tackle that they have on their lineup. We like David Onyemata. He's a good piece. We like Malcolm Brown. He can do some good things in the run game. And we love Shytel, especially after he stiff-armed Matt uh, Ryan all the way back to Boston College. We loved that. Sheldon Rankins, though, is that dude. When healthy, 40 tackles, 8 sacks in the 2018 season. And that was a season where you looked at him and you said, oh my God. God, this guy's finally hit his potential. This is what he's capable of doing. And I absolutely agree. That was not a flash in the pan. That was when Sheldon's healthy. This is what Sheldon's going to give you. Then he ruptures his Achilles in the playoffs. Obviously, that doesn't help. You'll, you don't have him for the NFC Championship game. That obviously hurt the defense. You don't have him for the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Even when he comes back, it takes him a while to get going. Then he looks really good. I believe on that Thanksgiving game against the Falcons, he looks you know, like he's moving like his normal self. He's giving you a little Sheldon shimmy. And then he's out again for the rest of the year. And then it comes out that he had to have preemptive surgery, literally preemptive surgery, to make sure that he doesn't rupture his Achilles again, which is a horrible sign. But I'm not ready to just say that Sheldon's career is over. But this is a make-or-break season for two reasons. One, in terms of contract, This man, if he has a good season, stays healthy, puts up big numbers, he's going to make a lot of money, a lot more than Saints fans think. And on the second thing, you just want to be able to show teams and your own team, more importantly, what you're capable of doing and be part of the cause and part of the reason you're an NFC contender. And let me go back to the money real quick because I know you guys are probably saying, hey, Chris, you mentioned the money and how much he might be worth. How much do you think he's worth? Well, what Sheldon Rankins am I getting? If I'm getting a healthy Sheldon Rankins, you're going to have to spend big money. And by big money, I'm, I'm saying you're going to spend double-digit uh, millions per year. And that's not even just, that's just half the battle. So a guy like Leonard Williams, granted on the franchise tag, is making $16 million per year. He doesn't give you the sacks. He doesn't give you the run support. Leonard Williams is just getting $16 million off his name. But how about a guy like Grady Jarrett? How about a guy like Geno Atkins? Two very good players who the name matches the production. Grady Jarrett making $17 million a year. Geno Atkins making $16.3 million a year. And then even guys, guys like DJ Reader, who people might be like, DJ Reader, you know, I'm not really familiar with that name, but he's a great player. And guess what? The Bengals paid him. Paid him well, too, $13.25 million. So my point here is for Sheldon Rankins, if Sheldon stays healthy and Sheldon puts up good numbers, six sacks, seven sacks, here and there, you'll see him make pressures from the interior. He's going to get paid because you cannot put a price on interior pass rushers. You just can't. Defensive tackles that can be a force in the run game but also get after the quarterback are absolute nightmares for offensive coordinators and offensive lines. 
that's what makes Aaron Donald so special. We don't get over, you know, we don't get all hyped to the fact that Aaron Donald puts up crazy numbers. We get all crazy over the fact that he puts up those numbers from the interior. Because what defensive tackle should be getting close to 20 sacks a season? That's just not fair. Now, Sheldon's not giving you 20 sacks a year. If Sheldon gives you eight, that's a $15 million per year type player at his position with the way the market's trending up. And if you don't believe me, just do yourself a favor. Go on Google, search up defensive tackle contracts, and I'll give you the rankings, and it'll give you the numbers, and you can match it up. And then you could agree and say, holy crap, Chris, you're right. I didn't even realize how much money Sheldon Rankins is in line for if this guy just stays healthy. But it's the truth. And Sheldon, I think, is a guy who it really just comes down to health. Traquan's a little bit of an unknown, and I'll give you guys that if you feel that way, that you don't know what you're going to get from Traquan. He's a, you know, a, a mixed bag of beans here. You don't know what you're going to pull out. But I know what I get from Sheldon Rankins when he's healthy, and that is a very good defensive player who transforms the defense. A healthy Sheldon Rankins takes the Saints from a top 15 to top 10 defense, and that's a big difference, especially when you get into the dog days of the season and you need to win those tough games against top NFC opponents. So that's important. I think Sheldon Rankins rightfully deserves to make the list. And this isn't a knock on Sheldon. It's just he needs to play well to, one, get a huge contract, and two, just as a morale booster, because eventually you have that third injury and injuries start weighing down on you, and you're like, you know what? I don't even know if I could do this anymore. Especially if it's another Achilles injury, that'd be three of them. That's a tough sell for any team. So I think make or break season coming up for Sheldon Rankins. Let's move into my third and final guy. And it is never too soon to talk about this guy. And this is someone who I have hyped up and I will continue to hype up, but that doesn't mean he's exempt from this list because Marcus Davenport, my friend, you're entering a make-or-break season with the New Orleans Saints. Unlike other people, I will defend Marcus Davenport, the player, the numbers he puts up. I don't have an issue with any of that. There's only one issue I have with Marcus Davenport. In his rookie season, he missed three games. In his second season, he missed three games. And those three games that he missed in each season came at the end of the year, has not played a playoff game, which is just just terrible for the defense. I'm sorry, excuse me, he did play against Philly. And it's always at the end of the year when the Saints need him. And that is an issue. And Marcus Davenport, who has that raw potential that I don't think we've seen from an outside linebacker slash defensive end since maybe Clowney, has shown in the regular season he can put it all together now i know you guys are sitting here going oh well the sack numbers aren't there marcus davenport's not the type of guy where you look at the sack numbers i would advise you guys actually to look away from them so you had six sacks in 2013 uh, 2019 and you guys are probably like ah oh, that's not enough because you trade it up you basically have two up two first round picks for the guy but you got to look at the pressures in 13 games he had 26 pressures so there were literally 26 times this guy could have got a sack and now you're saying, oh, well, he only got six of them. Marcus Davenport, the more you watch him, the more you realize he does a lot of the dirty work. Marcus Davenport takes a lot of the dirty work up front, and he allows other players to shine. And the real Saints fans who are not harsh on every move Marcus Davenport makes actually see it, and I've seen a lot of fans come up to me and be like, hey, you know, I, I see what you mean. Davenport's taking out the left tackle and the left guard, and all of a sudden, a defensive tackle from the interior shoots in, makes the sack. Marcus Davenport really is that good. I need to stress that the guy is only going to get better as a football player because he's only, he's learning this as he goes. He's playing on the fly, and yet he's playing on the fly, and he's getting six sacks. He's getting 26 pressures, and if you put that 26 pressures by a 16-game basis, he's going over 30 pressures, which is huge, okay? If you do the math, actually, it comes out to 32 pressures in a 16-game season in his second year in the league. Second year in the league, 32 pressures. 
And that might not sound crazy to all you guys, but let me just tell you how crazy that is, okay? Because I talked about Jadavion Clowney the other day, and I said, hey, don't look at the sacks. You got to look at the pressures. And I'm a guy who says, you know, the pressures are important. Well, Clowney this past season, do you know how many pressures he had? 30. I just told you that Marcus Davenport in a full season would have had 30 pressures in his second year. Clowney is polished. He knows what he needs to do. Davenport, still not completely polished, still learning on the fly, still trying to say, hey, you know what? I'm just a kid from a small school, and now I'm playing for the New Orleans Saints. And he's putting up those numbers, but he's got to stay healthy. Because more importantly, not only would it affect him because we've had the foot injury and that's been a problem, you, you develop a, a reputation after a couple of injuries. The first injury, you got to pass. The second injury, we're all sitting here. We're biting our lip. We're biting our nails. We're getting worried. We're saying, holy crap, this guy might be injury prone. The third injury happens. Guess what? Everyone is saying you're injury prone. You made a glass. You can't do this. You can't do that. J.J. Watt, fantastic football player. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. Those are all true. What's J.J. Watt's reputation over the last couple of years? No, it's not selling Subway sandwiches. It's someone who can't stay healthy. J.J. Watt over the last couple of years, everyone says, well, can he even play eight games for you? Can he make it through? Constantly gets injured. Constantly get hurts. You know, I would take even, just go away from the position, Jason Verrett, a corner, who started his career so promisingly with the Chargers, gets hurt one year, gets hurt a second year. Now he's on the 49ers. Guess what happens? He gets hurt. And you develop this reputation that you just can't shed. And the reality is your body's taking so much punishment that all of a sudden, it's not just a reputation. It's the goddamn truth that you can't stay on the field. And Marcus Davenport is a game changer. The way I feel about Marcus Davenport is the same way I feel about Sheldon Rankins. When they're healthy, you see how good this defense is. We've seen Davenport punish opposing quarterbacks, whether it's been Jameis Winston, whether it's been Alex Smith when he was on the Redskins. We've seen him lay the hammer on certain quarterbacks. And in a division with Matt Ryan, with a 42-year-old, soon to be 43 in August, Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater, let me tell you something. Those are three of the most non-mobile quarterbacks in the National Football League, especially with Bridgewater and Brady. Those two do not move well. Matt Ryan doesn't move well either, but realistically, I've seen him move a little bit. Bridgewater, we've seen with the Saints, is not that fast, and Tom Brady looks like he's running in quicksand. So Marcus Davenport, having that type of speed rusher who also can use power very well, that's a, that's a game changer for the defensive line to be able to have that type of player come off the edge and hit the opposing quarterback. So Marcus Davenport... It really is very strict here. Traquan Smith, it's about can you stay in the foot, in the National Football League by playing well? That's why he's on this list. Shelton Rankins, it's like, dude, you have a big contract waiting for you if you play well and stay healthy. And Marcus Davenport, it's, man, just stay healthy. And there's reasons why they're on the list, and all of them all have a, a uh, you know, a theme here. But Marcus Davenport probably is the most loose one where it's like, just stay healthy. And if you're not going to stay healthy, miss games in the early part of the season and stay strong for the end. I mean, when the Saints lost Marcus Davenport, the timing was awful. Awful. This is a guy who, go back to, I forgot what week number it is, but middle of the regular season against the Panthers this past season, he literally almost leaps over the defensive line and nearly blocks a field goal for the Panthers. They end up missing it. Saints go down the other way, kick a game-winning field goal. He's that good. That good. But those three, in my opinion are the guys facing make-or-break seasons more than anyone else. Now, there's honorable mentions before I head out of here, guys. And I already mentioned Andrews Pete, and why I didn't put him on here, but you could consider him an honorable mention. I'd say Alex Anzalone is another honorable mention, and similar to Marcus Davenport, similar to Sheldon Rankins, 
got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. And I think other guys facing this list and saying, all right, it's do or die time. You got to put Trey Hendrickson up there. Because Trey Hendrickson is a guy who I don't think is going to be on the Saints next year. Because I think if he has another decent season, a five sack, a six sack, maybe even four and a half, another team will pay him to say, hey, what can you do in a bigger role? And the Saints would have to let that slide because they have to pay Marcus Williams. They have to pay um, maybe Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Ramchek. Got a lot of guys coming up to Mario Davis. So I think those are two guys, Hendrickson and Anzalone. Honorable mention, but weren't enough to crack the list for this one, guys. But I'm interested to hear what you think about these three Saints, whether you would put them in that order, whether you even think they're facing make-or-break seasons. I'm sure you guys agree with the first one because Traquan Smith is starting to lose his love from Saints fans because it was there initially. It's not there anymore. But I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about those three guys. But uh, make sure to go on Twitter. Follow me at Rosvogel Report. Follow me on Facebook at Straight Up Saints. Follow me on YouTube. Subscribe for that. Straight Up Saints Podcast. And on Instagram, at Saints underscore straight up. And remember, guys, you guys are listening to this on a Wednesday. Tomorrow, Thursday night, going to do that live Q&A that I've been doing on Periscope slash Twitter live. Um, so have your questions ready for that. I will leave you guys a update on that on Twitter. Let you guys know what time that will happen. But probably around 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Central uh, is probably when I'm going to shoot that up there. And we'll do a little live Q&A. Talk about the state of the NFL. Talk about the state of the Saints um, and, and all that. But Stay tuned for the live Q&A, guys. Hope you've enjoyed all the content coming out this week with two podcasts. We've had the YouTube video. We'll have another video on Friday and live Q&A tomorrow. Um, so I hope you guys are enjoying that. Remember, if you do, you want to support it, go on Patreon. The link is available in the description to this episode, guys. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and you have an even better tomorrow. <laughs>